0: Bayern and PSG win their respective leagues. Ten Hag is coming to Manchester United and Chelsea, unfortunately for me, beat West Ham United in the final third derby. We talk about all this and more on this episode of uh, the final third podcast. So stay a while, leave a rating if you enjoy the show, follow us on Twitter at final third show if you really enjoy the show and yeah, hope you like it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the final third podcast. It's Monday. It's our news and predictions episode, and where we talk about all the big news and games happening in the soccer world, both on and off the field. As always, my name is AJ Tabura. I'm a fan of West Ham United, Minnesota United, and the U.S. national teams. Unfortunately, uh, West Ham United is the one team that did not have any good news about it, but, uh, you know, some success for the uh, uh, for Minnesota United, U.S. national teams, if you don't include Slovenia, possibly going to Poland. But oh, overall, a fine weekend. I'm joined by Jack, my other co-host. Jack, how are your teams doing?
1: Uh, for once, all of them did well. Uh, that doesn't usually happen. You know, I'm a fan of Chelsea, which we're going to talk about how they did so well. Uh, I'm a fan of Minnesota United. I'm a of, fan of Atalanta who actually picked up a win, uh, and a fan of the French and U.S. national teams. And to any listeners out there who are potentially noting that my voice is a little bit strange, more gravelly maybe, uh, that's because I'm getting over a cold. So uh, yeah. just just be aware of that. It's not, it's not a mic issue. It is just me.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's funny because I was getting over a cold last week, and we we hadn't seen each other uh, until today, so it's not it's not that. So well, whatever you know. Uh, yes, Jack, a very exciting week uh for soccer in general, and I'm really excited to talk about it with you. Uh, but something that's not soccer related is the fact that our Thursday episode. You know, oh, we've been busy, so we haven't been able to do too many Thursday episodes. But we are planning to have a special one, Jack. If you want to talk about it.
1: Yeah. Well. For my final project for an international political economy class, I have been tasked with making a podcast episode.
0: Ooh. Uh. And
1: I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I, I have a little bit of skill in that area. a little bit <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Some might so say. i I talked with my professor and told told her, you know, I have a podcast already. could would it be all right if I submitted my uh, final project? as a podcast on my soccer podcast here and they were okay with it. So that's exactly what's going to happen on Thursday. It's we're going to feature an episode on trade sanctions, which is pretty timely with Russia and, you know, Sanctions are pretty relevant in football as well. We, do, we, we do, do you, about those do you
0: reference uh, Chelsea at all in the podcast?
1: Slightly, although those are financial sanctions rather than trade sanctions. Which yeah, we'll yeah. talk about the difference in that. We'll, okay. we'll talk about it. A little, little sneak preview, you know.
0: All right. So m- maybe in some slight way. It is tangentially related to soccer, at least the business side of things. Yes,
1: that's the link. That's the link here.
0: Okay, I'm excited. I'm excited. And listeners, I hope you all are excited too. That should come out uh, on Thursday. Follow us on Twitter, uh, at Final Third Show, if you want to see me be sad uh, over a West Ham loss today and uh, some of our other takes as the week progresses, as well as go to our website, finalthirdshow.com, for a one-stop shop for our podcast. Before we get to our main stories, I do want to highlight crazy week in MLS. Uh, to highlight Minnesota United three to zero over Chicago. That is three three fifths of the goals that they've conceded this entire season. So really happy about that. DC United uh, sink New England even further. New England have been might set the record for largest discrepancy downwards for most amount of points the previous season to least amount of points the next. Austin FC continue to be absolutely on top of their game, I think near the top of the West, second place to only LAFC, who got the job done against FC Cincinnati. San Jose, I have no idea what happened there. Actually, I do. I watched the highlights. But they get their first ever win, thanks to, in part, like two goals in the space of one minute. Espinosa in the 64th and Ewell in the 65th. Seattle's didn't have an answer to Espinoza, who scored a hat trick. That was crazy. And then today, where NYCFC beat uh who did they beat today Toronto. Toronto FC yeah five to four, and yeah Bono and Johnson just had a competition to see who's the worst goalkeeper. And I suppose uh, Bono won that competition. A Crazy week in MLS. Also considering that like four different games were just zero zero. So, uh, you know, duality of MLS, I suppose. Yeah, I, I just want to mention that because we don't really talk about MLS because there's so, so much news going on, but got to love the best best league in the world. And we'll definitely talk about them as the season progresses. All right, Jack, let's talk about something that happened today. Jack, where did we go together today?
1: Well, we went to Britt's Pub in Minneapolis, which is, predictably, a British pub, uh, yes. it was great. Well, for me, it was great. It happens to be the home bar of the Twin Cities Chelsea Supporters Group. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah. How, how many people, AJ, were there wearing West Ham jerseys?
0: Uh, there, was, there was one handsome fellow wearing a, a mm-hmm. West Ham jersey. I'll, say, yeah. that. I'll did, say that.
1: Did he also happen to get, around, get up and dance around the table after a uh, certain Lucas Fabianski saved a penalty.
0: Yes, and it yeah. was uh, that that man had a very fun time. For uh, about 3 minutes there. For for
1: about
0: <laughs> Let's let's give it like 7. 7 solid minutes of jubilation followed by <laughs> disappointment. I will say however, uh it wasn't a terrible time considering that the food was really good. Ritz Pub is a great place. Yeah. Uh, I had poutine there, breakfast poutine and that was really good, so yeah. As, aside from the, the loss, uh, good experience altogether.
1: Yeah. I, I had a fried chicken biscuit with gravy. That was that was really good. Yes. Uh, we're not sponsored by Brits. Uh, wouldn't mind being sponsored by Brits, to be fair. Uh, but. Hey,
0: I, I, I would be OK with that, too, even if I'm a West Ham fan. So <laughs> if that if that tells you anything, uh, take it, take it and run. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But Jack, we, we didn't just think you two there. We did watch the game, as, as you alluded to, uh, because it was, you know, the final third derby. So obviously we got to start the, the the show off with us talking about the heated rivalry. So for anyone that's not a Chelsea West Ham fan, you'll have to bear with us as we talk about maybe the, the biggest rivalry of all of football, the final third derby.
1: Yeah, so, probably. I, I think so.
0: Jack, a, a tepid first half, I would say. Uh, I, I think we 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 were a little late to the game because I my, my electric scooter <laughs> ran out of battery when I was uh riding over to uh, the the light rail station, so we missed the train. So we had to wait for the next one, and it was like you know twenty minutes gone in the first half. Not a lot of shots. I'll be honest. Uh, each side had a fair share of shots, but the XG by that uh, end of the first half had to only be point two point point three for for either side like it it was very very even not for great reasons it just was not the best showing offensively jack would you say so
1: yeah um you know the xg philosophy twitter account which uh i i I know you follow for sure Mm -hmm. um they posted at halftime you know how they usually post the xg at halftime yeah. Instead of putting the XG, they put two yawning emojis in yeah. in that place, which yeah. uh, you know that that's a fair assessment of the first half. Uh, mm-hmm. No real breakthroughs. A lot of offsides for Andre Yarmolenko, yeah. but uh,
0: lived offside uh, this yeah. game. So yeah. I mean, uh, to talk about tactically why that was the case, I would say it was because this was two teams that had a back three, really uh, like back fives, going at each other. West Ham because we did not have any more healthy center backs than Craig Dawson, and so we had uh, four full backs be a part of our back five. So that was that was quite the experience. I I, th- I thought they did fine, but uh, definitely both sides very much so canceled each other out in that first half. I can't even remember like huge amount of chances other than like uh like some corners for west ham and i think like one for chelsea
1: there was the yarmolenko chance where he wasn't offside and he he made he made a shot attempt and it skipped wide of the post
0: That is true that's right that was
1: and the and the conte shot that was saved Mm -hmm. after it was deflected that's those are about the two big chances in the first half
0: yeah uh the second half i i feel like opened things up a, a little bit we saw Uh, some more shots Uh, I I think Mount had a a couple of shots that uh, were saved I remember Timo Werner after like a a scramble in the box had a pretty clear shot on net and Fabianski saved it there's that one that uh Yarmolenko chance that was very very funny because not only did he you know was like at least a yard offside like it was pretty clear how offside he was he had a 1v1 against the goalkeeper like twice. He had two shots, and he shot it right at Mendy both,
1: both times. times. Yep.
0: And if, if that didn't represent West Ham's uh, offensive firepower in this game, I don't know what what will. Like, Ben Ramo was also—I I, I didn't even know Ben Ramos was playing. That's how poor it went uh for him. Jack, any other—aside from, you know, the things that happened in the, the 80th minute and beyond, do you have any other thoughts about the second half?
1: Uh, I mean, it it looked pretty good for the most part for Chelsea, you know, Uh, controlled the game decently. Kai Havertz had a few opportunities here and there. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek was playing pretty well as well. I will say that. Uh, Mm. Oh, yeah. And as an expression of Chelsea's dominance in this game as well, uh, the ending stat was 26 shots to six. Yes. Which seems about right.
0: Uh, and the XG, Jack, which always, in AJ's mind, matters more. What uh,
1: that? 2.95 for Chelsea to .66 for West Ham. Yes. Uh, but I, I, uh, I'll also say Chelsea barely played in their own half in the, in the second mm-hmm. half. Like, there were so many times where West Ham had a goal kick or had a clearance, and you're like, all right, time to break away. And then it immediately got recovered by a Chelsea player. Yeah.
0: And it was a lot of pressing from Chelsea. The one thing I noticed was that our defenders had to, like, kind of hit it back towards each other and were forced to play the long ball, which, you know, when you have the likes of Jorginho and Conte, you're able to recover that pretty easily. And so a very good job in that case. Uh, 2.95 xG. The reason why it was only one goal to to zero at the end of the game was because of Fabianski. I I don't think... Most of our players played at any, like, really good level aside from maybe Suchak or Dawson before, you know, the things eventually happened with him. Uh, but Fabianski, who, let me check how many saves he had. He, he, he had, had four. four saves. It really feels like more than that. It, it, at the very least, he was very dominant in his box. Uh But, yeah, I mean, the reason why West Ham did not play as well, aside from the obvious talent gap, has to be the fact that Unlike some other, you know, other smaller London clubs, we had a, a, a European game coming up on oh, Thursday. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, oh,
1: sorry. Oh, so, well. you
0: know, we rested the likes of uh, Jared Bowen, Declan Rice, Antonio, maybe uh, Vlasic, who you might expect uh, to play. And obviously, we have our center backs uh, injured or whatever, but for the most part, we we, we rested the three most key players. However... You know, that's obviously not enough uh, to, to to rest. That's not a, you know, a good enough excuse, but at the very least, the injured players plus the rest gives you a little bit of reason why West Ham did not play as well as they probably could have. That being said, though, for a, a pretty uh, B team in the defense and also in the attack, I felt like it was a fine showing from West Ham. We we put up a, a fight against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge against, you know, uh. A lot, a lot of their uh, a good players. So, even if it's a loss, I mean, shrug your shoulders and move on to, you know, mighty mighty Eintracht Frankfurt. And with that, Jack, I let's let's talk about the last ten minutes because <laughs> tepid first eighty minutes, a uh, kind of a, a slog, and then uh, and and then and then some stuff happened. And I mean, in the in the in the ten the the final ten minutes, really, like the last like. Five. Six. In, the last in, six or yeah, so. Yeah. So Mark Salonzo gets a yellow card. Uh, but then Craig Dawson takes down Lukaku. He
1: pulls back Lukaku as he's running onto the ball.
0: Uh yes, yeah. I mean He he pulls him back. He
1: does pull him back.
0: He, he does pull him back. W- was it a denial of goal-scoring opportunity? Yes. If, okay, was Lukaku going to get that ball regardless, or were, yes. was no, Fabiansky? No, so.
1: Fabiansky wasn't off
0: his line. He, w- would Lukaku Craig Dawson was getting get that? Yes. No, he
1: wouldn't have. He was behind him. That's why you pulled Lukaku back.
0: Listeners, I'm so sorry you have to uh, listen to Jack V delusional no, I'm, I'm, ta- I'm,
1: I'm, I'm taking off your iron-shaded glasses, you know. Uh, it. It's it's not it's not worth it. It it was, it was at least a penalty. Maybe a red card's a little harsh, but it you can definitely see how it's denial of a goal scoring opportunity.
0: Yeah, uh, I I could definitely see that. Uh, looking at it again, probably a penalty. Even though he okay okay, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a, a little <laughs> bit more salty. I feel like the pull was outside of the box, and mm-hmm. then. The fall was inside the box. And I I don't know, with such, like, a a long kind of contact time or a a long, like, time of conflict, I don't necessarily know in the rules what gets classified as, like, the tackle. Either way, probably a penalty. Not that it mattered, Jack. Something amazing happened. Something
1: unspectacular happened from Chelsea's perspective.
0: Jorginho did his little hop step with the penalty and it was a bad penalty. Get him off penalties. It it, it was like worse than like the Mbappe penalties for France. Like it it was like pretty close to Fabianski. He passed it to him.
1: He passed it to him.
0: That he I, straight I, up passed it to him. I, I think it's one of those things where if he dives the wrong way, it's like, ooh, how like cheeky, you know? But the fact that Fabianski just watched it and just casually like, dive, like didn't even have to fully outstretch his arms. And I, I I went I went berserk. I was like, let's go! He's like that. He's like that. I was the only one cheering in in the bar, and it was great.
1: I'm surprised you didn't get jumped outside of outside of Brit's flat. <laughs>
0: no, no. no. Chelsea fans, especially in Minnesota, are a lot nicer than that, I would hope. Yeah. Uh, But but yes, Jorginho missed the penalty. Everyone is sad except for me. I'm happy. And I'm like, all right, if we hold on for 0-0, that is West Ham winning. That is West Ham winning for sure. And then we kind of uh, try to hold on to the ball, fight for a penalty on the other side. And I swear the ball went out. I haven't looked at it since. I'm not going to hold too much of a grudge against it. Um but then the pen, the the you know the counter goes off and then Jack what happens?
1: See uh Mason Mount makes a run into space, Marcus Alonso runs outside him uh, outside him, and Marcus Alonso puts in a cross into the box, a very low cross. I I didn't have high expectations for it, but the the man, the myth, the legend, was arriving at that moment. The LeBron James of soccer. Yes, sir. I have his jersey hanging up in the background right there. Christian Pulisic, Captain America, sweeps home that goal. It, it's a nice, it's a nice it's finish. A nice it, it's perfectly slotted into the corner. And Chelsea lead. It, and I've I have to I have to I have to say this because I called it. I called it. I said Christian Pulisic's gonna get a 90th minute winner. I said it. As yeah. we like, uh, after halftime, I think, I think I, I said, you know what, it's fine because Christian Pulisic's gonna come on, 90th minute winner, and what happens? 90th ha- minute winner. It
0: happens. I think you even asked, like the the phrasing was, how would you feel about uh, losing? But it's a, a a Pulisic 90 minute 90 minute winner, and I'd be like, <laughs> honestly, it would suck and be sad, but it wouldn't be as bad as like Timo Werner or Lukaku scoring against us. And you know what? <laughs> I, I, even at the bar, I was like, "Hey, you know what? You know Chelsea. They won. Fair play. They're the better team, obviously. Peelsick like scoring can't be mad about that. Got 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 to keep up the the American uh, agenda in soccer." So,
1: <laughs> I what one last thing before we move on on from this because we have been talking about it for like fifteen minutes. But yeah. most the teams. S- I, I've got. I've got to say. I wish I, I, I caught some pictures there on our Twitter <laughs> at final third show yeah. uh, of, of AJ's reactions to things. <laughs> uh, I so wish I had caught his reaction to full time because Brit's pub, they do this thing, where they ring a giant bell at the front of the bar when Chelsea score a goal. And as soon as that happens, they just start raining it. The entire bar cheers, except for AJ, who just has his head down on the table. <laughs> because uh, three minutes before this, he stood up, started cheering, walked around our entire table, and then kissed the West Ham badge.
0: Yes, yes, that happened, yeah.
1: And then that happened. Uh, uh. I wish I had captured that. If, if I wish... Honestly, I wonder if Brits has security footage of those three minutes. I'd pay for it. I'd pay for it.
0: I'd pay for it, too, because that that was a hilarious moment. And in in about a day, I'll feel a lot better about it. Um, I won't feel better about a week because Craig Dawson was our last center back. So we're going (laughs) to we're going to be pumping out a, a, a fully fullback backline unless we call in some of our youngsters so uh
1: you're playing dutch football now 1970s dutch football
0: yeah total football play. man no yeah positionless what Fabi- position
1: do you play yes that's F- that's the F- motto
0: F- fabianski up top who cares who cares yeah uh but overall good game from chelsea so uh in the second season in its existence west ham and chelsea split the final third derby uh Trophy? I don't know what it is. Like oh, whatever you want to call it. You know, the series is tied. Basically, yeah. what I'm saying, no, no away goals. No, no away goals. We'll we'll say it's tied. We'll say it's tied because I'll
1: it run. benefits West Ham.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and, and <laughs> if we have we went on away goals uh, next season, then I'll definitely say away goals matter.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Jack, let's talk about another big thing that happened this week, and that is two teams have won the championships of uh, their two respective top five leagues, uh, and that is Bayern Munich have won the Bundesliga after a win over Borussia Dortmund, their what? heated rivals. What
1: a shock. Oh, what my God. Shock.
0: What a shock. Wow. And uh, PSG win Liga after a pretty solid campaign from them. That's no way, bro. Oh, uh, man. Wow. All right. Wow. <laughs> all right. All right. What, yeah. what a shock. Wow. What a, what a shock indeed. Wow. I think, I, I don't remember how uh we we predicted everything i'm going to say that we probably predicted bayern munich uh, to win the league uh, psg to win the league as well in fact i'm almost certain that that's w- what i said at least jack i don't remember if you remember
1: i you i said psg would win league on but i was i was faithful in dortmund at the beginning of the Cringe, season bro i know i i trusted them but then i forgot that the bundesliga is a monopoly I forgot, I forgot, my bad.
0: <laughs> it is, it is, because, uh, so Bayern Munich beat Borussia Dortmund 3-1 to one in der Klassiker. Bayern Munich now, of course, 75 points, have not lost a, a match uh, in the league since, let me go back, Jack, uh, I'm, I'm, going, I'm February, going back, February, 12th. February? Yep. February 12th, against Bochum, wow, okay, that's weird. Yeah. That, that's that's very weird. Okay, all, all, all right. But yeah, uh, Bayern Munich had the very impressive win, so much so that this is now the 10th, 10th Bundesliga title in a row for Bayern Munich, which puts them up with some of the most legendary, legendary teams of years past in pretty much any league to win 10 titles in a row. I know, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit comedians are going to be like, oh, they win every year. Ten in a row, no matter how you cut it, is going to be impressive. PSG couldn't do it. Uh Celtic couldn't even do it. So to be able to dominate a league that that isn't a farmer's league. There are very good teams in the Bundesliga, I think is an achievement, Shaq. Can you can we at least give them that?
1: Fine, but I think it's still I, I I think it takes away each time uh they win it in a row. You know, just a little bit. Like Dortmund won it twice in a row, right? Mm -hmm. In uh, 11-12, or the year, yeah, 11-12 and 10-11, I think, were the two seasons they won it in a row. And ever since then, it's just been Bayern winning it every time. And yeah, it's impressive, but also that kind of happens when you buy up all of your opposition's best players over the years right so there is that
0: Mm -hmm. I mean even then even then I still want to give them credit because a a lot of that isn't necessarily the fact that they're by it's not like they have like an exorbitant amount of money because if you go to like the net spend of European clubs it's not like Bayern Munich is at the top as you might expect them to be a lot of it is the fact that they are able to have, take good business, you know, pressure the clubs to give them uh, those players for cheap, uh, give them for free, as a lot of uh, their best players have been acquired by. And I, I think that's something to applaud. On the flip side, so I, I respect uh, Bayern Munich is what I'm saying. PSG, I'm not going to respect as much because obviously they spent a lot of money and they bought Messi and um, Mbappe recently, Neymar recently. uh, They've got the likes of Donnarumma, Verratti, like all these players that either cost a lot of money or were world-class just to begin with, right? Uh, Di Maria as well. And so uh, PSG, league's not done yet, but in Liga, they have uh, 78 points. They win the title. Uh, I I think, yeah, this... uh, Gives, gets them tied for most Liga titles with a Saint Saint Etienne, Jack. Did I pronounce that correctly, Saint?
1: Etienne? Yep, close enough. Close enough. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. All right. All right. Saint Etienne, but yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jack. Uh, uh, Resident. No, uh,
1: never, miss, never miss an opportunity to flex French. You know.
0: I know. I know. Uh, but that's also you know pretty impressive, Jack. But as you alluded to, it it does make the league a little bit more boring when you kind of can guess what's going to happen at the end right
1: yeah i'd say so uh i I, it's it's like watching a movie for like the fifth or sixth time right if you know the ending especially like a a horror movie right like uh like friday the 13th you know how it ends you're not going to be spooked by it anymore like it's it's the same thing every time so is it still impressive to an extent yeah but when you look at the players that PSG have over, you know, Marseille, Rennes, or Monaco, who are second through fourth, you, you kind of expect them to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not to say, again, that that, that they are bad teams, that they don't deserve this win, but it does kind of cheapen it. And to the point where I, I, I did not watch a lot of Bundesliga this year because... In the seasons past, I was enamored by the likes of Dortmund, the likes of you know Nagelsmann's RB Leipzig, and before that Rangnik's RB Leipzig to Borussia Gladbach, Bayer Leverkusen, with with all of their you know uh, amazing great players. team I mean, Timo, uh, Timo Werner and uh, Kai Havertz uh, were on like th- those teams before. You know Shaka at one point recently they they were like pretty okay, pretty good. And now, not only has Bayern like weakened those teams to the fact that like, you know, watching Jesse Marsh's RB Leipzig and even now, like, I'm not, I'm not as entertained. Borussia Dortmund is just kind of annoying to watch with their inconsistency. Still, still like it. I'll, I'll still watch it if it's on. Um, but given the chance, I'm not gonna pay attention to the Bundesliga because the teams aren't as entertaining, and the title race isn't interesting, and even if, you know, the top 4 race can get pretty spicy, the fact that it's over it's overwhelmingly overshadowed by Bayern Munich by PSG winning their leagues, it kind of makes me not want to watch it. Instead, watch a, a league that I've been paying a lot of attention to this season because it's so interesting, Serie A or, you know, the Premier League. Jack, I have a feeling you're the same way. I don't even think you were really watched the Bundesliga to begin with, right?
1: Uh no, not really. Uh, I I don't know. I, I never had like a team that I super supported in it. Like I'd watch it. I watched Augsburg's first few games when Pepe signed for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, that's about it. That, no, that, yeah. yeah, I mean, a bit of a mistake. <laughs> uh, although I, I like a lot of Augsburg's players. They have some good players right, in there. Right. Uh, and I also know we have a listener out there who is a big fan of FC Augsburg. And oh, nice. honestly, I do hope they stay up because I think it would be good for Pepe. Uh, to stay in the Bundesliga, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, I I just wanted I was just looking at it because I I made the point about Bayern buying up the league's best talent, right? Mm-hmm. So out of their squad, which is four, five, six, seven, 20 players, they had twenty players on the bench and in the starting lineup. How many of those do you think are from their own academy?
0: Ah, uh, who. I'm gonna guess. Uh, so, so how many players in all is this? I'll you know, i guess. Uh,
1: There's 20 players in all. How how many of them do you think are from their academy from the lineup against Dortmund?
0: I lineup say. against Dortmund. Hmm. I mean, I mean, I I can think of like a bunch that weren't on Bayern's academy. I'm gonna go with like six.
1: Out out of the entire 20, there were three. Okay. Uh, and two of them didn't. Uh, actually, one one of the two of them played. One of them did not play at all and cuz i don't think they, they he's played 11 matches uh 542 minutes this this season but overall Neuer bought from Schalke Pavard bought from Stuttgart Upamecano bought from Leipzig Hernandez Atletico different Davies Vancouver a little different Kimmich uh came from uh Stuttgart as well uh Goretzka came from Schalke you've got Nabry who came from I want to say Hoffenheim, he was on loan before. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then uh, Coman from PSG. Moeller is the only one in the starting lineup who's from their academy. And Lewandowski from Dortmund. Just all of their lineup is just a lot of the league's best talent getting filtered to the top. Because, you know, as Bayern's dominance increases, all the players in the league, especially the best ones, they want to win silverware
0: in the so league. It's a positive feedback loop.
1: Exactly. So the o- so the only team that like the best of the best players in the league want to move to ends up being Bayern. And so it creates this sort of loop where Bayern winning only makes them stronger. And mm-hmm. so like it's it, it's just going to keep getting probably more and more congested up there.
0: Mm-hmm. And the byproduct of this is that Bayern Munich's, like the, the, the managers of Bayern Munich, of uh, PSG, uh, one of which is Pochettino, who's finally a, a, a league winner. That's, uh, that's crazy. Uh, but they are defined now not by their success in the league, but rather their success in Europe. And so that's why uh, Pochettino obviously got in heat uh, for not bringing PSG a Champions League which they were probably one of the favorites for. Nagelsmann uh part of it is because they got knocked out early of uh the the German Cup but also because they got knocked out by Villarreal in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. And that cr- makes it very hard for Bayern Munich fans PSG fans to find true happiness uh, out of their team if if their expectations are super high. But it also makes it hard for these managers to stay and, and thrive when you have to live up to Hansi Flick winning uh the, the sextuple or, or whatever it was. And because of that, and because of their dominance, I feel like their main form of competition, their main form of revenue and exposure doesn't come from their dominance of Liga or Bundesliga, because let's be honest, like... Do most American casual fans of PSG or any casual fan of PSG, do they really watch them play against, I don't know, Ren, And, and Rennes a good team, but I don't think they really care. I, I think they mostly care about how PSG do in the Champions League. And so because of that, I can see why teams would want to be in the Super League. And I understand that Bayern Munich and PSG were, were two teams that did not want to be a part of the Super League. But. When it comes down to it, when, when the disparity between you and your leagues are so, so high, something's got to happen. I'm not saying I'm advocating for the Super League, but something has happened with the other teams, whether it's, I don't even know, I, like, I, I don't even know the answer on how to stop Bayern Munich, and I know a ton of other podcasts have answered that question or tried to, but something's got to happen or else... This like idea of a super league or or, or like a, a better level of competition is just going to continue because the Champions League right now is that only spot for them to really like try to like flex their muscles in a way that's not overbearing. I don't know, Jack. Do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, for first of all, I feel like it might be too late to stop Bayern from like just having right. dominance yeah. in the league. You had to I go back the to like, posi- the
0: sixties to do that
1: the positive feedback loop has been set in place for a decade now. And it's, it, it's like a tree it's rooted. It's going to be tough to move it. Uh, it, it's you, you theoretically could, you could, it would take a lot of restructuring though, uh, and tearing mm-hmm. up a lot of ground in order to uproot it. Uh, and for PSG, um, I don't think they should they have any incentive to join a super league because they haven't even won a Champions League yet. So they don't even sure. have a claim to to saying like, yeah, we, we need a higher level of competition. Because they haven't won the highest level of competition available sure. to them. So uh Bayern, I, I think it's more just the fan uh the fan leadership. That's the one thing that the Bundesliga has that uh That kind of keeps them from joining it. And I will say real quick, I know this is off topic from it, but uh, I saw some people on TikTok, Twitter, all over uh, saying fan controlled leadership doesn't work because uh, look at the Bundesliga and
0: how monopolized it is. Dude, that's the not
1: the reason the, the, the correlation does not equal causation. Dude,
0: how does that boot taste? What the heck? What, yeah. What? Like <laughs>
1: what you you love corporations yeah, so exactly. much. Oh, what? wow. Wow. Just tell it. Tell me more how you're not a product placement by Apple, please. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, come on. Like you, you're telling me you wouldn't want a say in how your club operates. Anyone who says no is lying to that. Yeah, it, everyone. Lit,
0: what the everyone
1: hell? has gripes with their club, yeah. right? No, no one, no one is completely one hundred percent content with their club one hundred percent of the time. Like for Chelsea, I wish we had spent money on a center back this <laughs> this summer or on a both. left back. Like I, I wish we had we had done stuff like that instead of spending a hundred million dollars. On a single player who has scored five goals in the league, uh, just saying, you know, every team. If, if you if you say if you're trying to pass this off as fan control, like fan ownership stakes is the reason the Bundesliga isn't competitive, you're just wrong. Uh, please take yeah. a statistics course Dang. from from your friendly political methodology nerd. Please learn statistics. I beg. <laughs>
0: You tell them, Jack, you tell him, Jack, speaking of statistics, yeah,
1: let's go into a some little, stat padding. I, 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 op- I opened up a little a little thread there, you know.
0: All right, yeah, I like that. Jack, why don't you tell people uh, who want to learn about statistics what stat padding is?
1: Yeah, well, stat padding is uh, a quiz, basically, on stats uh, throughout mm-hmm. the soccer world. Uh, and, you know, AJ, because of the result today, I... Uh, you 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 know how it feels to come in second place in uh, a okay. competition, yeah. Uh, but you might be familiar with the uh, with the phrase from childhood: first is the worst, and second is the best," right? Yeah. Uh, so the theme of this stat padding is second is the best, and for oh, this, wow. I'm going to give you a statistic in a league, and you're going to tell me who ranks second oh in that statistic, gosh. okay? Not top. Because pe- people always remember who finishes as golden boot, right? But no one remembers who finishes in second half the time. Sure. So let's go through it. You know, uh, AJ, I have six questions here. Are you mm-hmm. ready?
0: I honestly don't think I am, but I'll try my best. We'll start off with an easy one. We'll start off with an easy. I one, hate okay? when you do this because I'm going to get this wrong and I'm looking embarrassed. Oh, okay. All
1: right. The first one. Who has the second most assists in league on? So French league. Who has the second most
0: in league on? Mm, okay. So I, I guess the the stat here, the strat here, is to try to guess who has the most. And my heart goes to obviously uh, Lionel Messi, right? I, I want to say Lionel Messi is the top one. Where mm-hmm. is he? Okay. So think about PSG. Neymar. Full disclosure: I'm going with PSG here. I, I, okay. I, I don't think anyone else in in Liga has as many assists as any of the 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 front three of PSG. I don't think it's going to be Neymar because not a great season from him. Obviously, he isn't a very assisty person. Kylian Mbappe and Messi are my two picks. The order of which, honestly, I'll have to say Kylian Mbappe. I feel like he's like the man of this team plus he's been more consistent throughout the the year i'm gonna say it's Kylian mbappe first and messi honestly second by a large margin
1: it's not by a large margin but it is correct leonel messi has the okay. second most he has 13 and yeah, mbappe up, has 14
0: if so, i think out loud it, it, hel- it helps okay. and
1: you are also correct that neymar is not even near the top uh, he has
0: five assists. Okay. Uh, How many goals does he have? Is he, has he just Neymar? been invisible?
1: Uh, Neymar has eleven goals and five assists. So okay. not invisible. He's yeah. only played nineteen matches though. Right. So, he's been
0: injured. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So he's missed about half the season. Okay. Jeez. You you did get one point there. So there you go. See, I told you, starting off pretty easy. Okay. Uh, the next yeah. one, another relatively easy one. Who has the second most goals in the Premier League?
0: uh Premier League okay so it's obviously solo first i'm going to go with uh son because he's been that guy for tottenham and i uh, going through the other like possible like striking or attacking forces like chelsea you know it's been a, a wide range uh ronaldo kind of off the mark a lot of the times uh liverpool Everyone else is, you know, not as good as, as Salah. So I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Tottenham's Hyungmin son.
1: That is correct. He has 17 okay. goals, okay. Uh, which is five less than Salah and one more than Ronaldo. Okay. So uh, and also he's not that far ahead of Liverpool's second highest score, which is Diogo Jota at mm-hmm. 15. Okay. So but you did get the right answer on that one, too. See, I told you we were starting easy, right?
0: OK, OK. Now it's going to get harder.
1: Yes, yeah, uh, <laughs> you're exactly right on that. Uh, so, let let's 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 stick in the Premier League. This one's still relatively easy, despite being a weirder stat. Okay. Name a player who has the second most yellow cards in the Premier League. Uh, I can tell you that number of second most. It is nine. Okay. Nine yellow cards. Uh, you can name any one of the <clears throat> several players I have listed down here.
0: Can I get a number of the players? Like like how, how many players have nine?
1: Ten have 10. nine, so you, you've got you've got a decent chance of, of getting one.
0: And because this might help me, who has first? Who, who like how how many how many yellow cards does first have?
1: First place has. I'm just checking to make sure because I didn't write it down on that one, but it is Yves Basuma with
0: ten. Okay. okay. Well, I was gonna guess him out anyways, so cool. Uh, I'm gonna go. My heart is telling me a specific player, and. It's, it's so loud that I can't pick any other player. I'm going to go with Granit Xhaka of Arsenal just because that's like a Granit Xhaka stat to have a lot of yellow cards.
1: That is so close. He has ah. eight yellow cards.
0: It's a, he, it's, let it, he let me down. He let me down.
1: It's not a bad guess, to be fair. Uh, the 10 players, I, I think I counted, yes, who have nine yellow cards are Bruno Fernandes, mm-hmm. Conor Gallagher, James Tarkowski, okay. Jan Bednarek, Oh, yeah, Jerry, sure. uh, Josh Brownhill, sorry. Uh, Junior Furpo, Richarlison,
0: hmm.
1: uh, Ruben Nevis, I forgot his first name for a second, Scott McTominay, and Tyrone Mings.
0: Yeah, I, They all
1: have nine yellow cards.
0: Grant Chaka, come on, man.
1: Yeah, I I I will say it's a it's a solid guess. So you, yeah, okay. that that's not a terrible instinct, but all right. Next one here. Which Serie A team oh boy. has won the second most penalties?
0: The second most penalties? Hmm. Which, which team would, would have, like, the most penalties? I don't, I don't even know, like, how do you describe a play style that would be conducive of that? I'm going to go with maybe, like, one of Inter or AC Milan being first, but I'm not going to go with the other one of them to be second. I'm going to go with Weirdly enough, I'm going to go with Atalanta simply because I feel like their attacking play style allows for more chances, like more breakaways to happen where uh, a, a dog so incident would happen or, you know, an errant errant handball would happen. So I'm going to go with Atalanta having the second most penalties.
1: Your thinking was so close to correct on the first part. Atalanta actually only have four okay, penalties darn. awarded. It is Inter Milan who have the second most with 10. Okay. Napoli have the most with 12 awarded. Okay. Uh, so you, you, were, you were on the right track, and I, I was like, he's going to get it. And then you shifted away from it, uh, <sighs> unfortunately. But uh, yeah, Atalanta, not very good with uh, penalties this season. Probably not. Uh, yeah. Uh, much to my disappointment, I will say. All right. Next one. Going over to Spain, what La Liga player has the second most big chances created in the league? And this, there's three different players
0: here. Three, okay. Can, can, I, can I like like with the yellow cards? Can I get the the numbers for first and second?
1: first and second. Yes, first has 13, and second has 12. Okay, so it's pretty close. It's pretty close between them.
0: I I, I want to say, Vinicius Junior is Near the top, him or Korean Benzema? I feel like I feel like those two. I talk about them a lot. They create a lot of chances. I'm gonna go with like one of them being on top. Uh, honestly, I I could not even imagine who who could be second, especially with like being that close. Ooh. Uh, hmm. I'm gonna go with like. I feel like Barcelona don't really have like a single player. I'm gonna go with uh, Atletico Madrid. Uh, what's his name Carrasco I'm gonna go with Carrasco second
1: that he's close to second he has nine but uh, it is a Barcelona player that's one of them Usman okay. Dembele has 12 uh,
0: yeah, uh, along yeah, with
1: Ikra sure. Muniain from uh, Athletic Bilbao and Nabil Fekir from Real okay. Betis. so though, and then top you got the top one correct and is this it, is, is kind it, is of proving it, to my point that everyone it, gets, everyone remembers the top. Is it it's Benzema? Ben, yeah, okay. it's Benzema.
0: Yeah. All right. Wow. Oh.
1: Uh, so you're, you're doing you're doing good at getting the top ones uh, narrowed down, but yeah, great, good. But unfortunately, that's not the point of this game show here. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: I'm kind of I'm kind of like selling after the, like the first two it sucks.
1: Uh. So the last one is a Bundesliga themed question.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And this one. Who has the second most clean sheets in the Bundesliga?
0: Okay, I'm gonna go, and there there
1: are two that are tied for second.
0: I I feel like you got you got to go Neuer first. Is this? way you said clean sheets, right?
1: Yep, clean sheets.
0: And you said there's two tied.
1: There are two tied, and uh, I will say this. There are four players on top with ten clean sheets and two with nine.
0: Okay. Ah uh, man, so I'm I'm almost gonna go with Neuer being one of those uh four players. Other than that, ooh, I I I I don't know if I if I know there Ooh actually. RB Leipzig had Like even if they couldn't get the attack going, they had a lot of like good defense at the beginning of the season. thanks like Jesse Marsh's inability to have a a good uh, offense. So I'm going to go with RB Leipzig's goalkeeper who I'm completely forgetting. I'm just gonna say I'm I'm gonna go with RV Leipzig, and 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 this might be cheap. I don't know their goalkeeper. I'm gonna go with RV Leipzig as a team having the most uh, second most clean sheets.
1: I'll, I'll accept it because he is okay. he is one of them. Uh, it is Let's Peter Gulácsi, Hungarian goalkeeper. Okay. Uh, Uh, and the other one, surprisingly, I honestly this one surprised me the most out of all of these. Tied is Rafael Gikiewicz from okay. Augsburg. Of all teams at nine, which and, I did not expect to be to be quite honest. Yeah, that's,
0: that's true. How, how about the how about the other three Manuel noirs on on the top, right? You
1: you were correct about that. Castile's from Wolfsburg also kind of surprised, given Wolfsburg yeah. have been underwhelming this season. Robin Zentner from Mines, okay, and the person you chose for your best eleven for half the season, Mark Flecken.
0: Hey, uh, from Freiburg, Freiburg are still like what in the, in the fifth place? Pretty good. Uh, I
1: think. Yeah, they're in fifth place. Yeah. Yeah. They're still so, up there. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Cool. I, I was going to say uh, uh, Sommer of uh, uh, Gladbach, but I, I know they're not playing well. So yeah,
1: they haven't. They, they have given up 58 goals this
0: season. So yeah, uh So definitely not going with them.
1: Definitely. Dev- I mean, you, you got you got 50 percent overall.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, not, not I'm very, very very happy about that. Listeners, hope you hopefully you did better if not the same as me. All right, Jack, let's talk about some more uh teams winning competitions and that would be Real Betis beating Valencia in the, the 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 a cup that I feel like is definitely underrated. I love Copa del Rey. I think honestly it might be my second favorite uh third favorite. I also like uh, Copa Italia uh, in terms of like the European domestic cups and to their credit I think it's been since like 2004 or 5 that they've last won a Copa del Rey title and they were able to do it in their home city of a Sevilla. So big big win for them unfortunately it had to come at the hands or the feet of a certain American Yunus Musa kind of shanking his penalty during the penalty shootout uh so Jack, I don't know if you were able to uh catch this match or catch any highlights other than the Yunus Musa miss
1: I just saw the Yunus Musa miss and yes.
0: yeah yeah uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's tough uh so just to go over what happened uh, uh Arsenal legend Hector Bellerin assisted Boria Iglesias for Real Batiste. Uh, I'm, I say legend. I have to say, uh, Hector Bellerin. When I played uh, for Arsenal in Football Manager like 2015, absolutely killed it. He became like like a Hall of Fame caliber player. Like he was that good. Uh, but obviously, he's, you know, doing well for Real Batiste. Uh, For Valencia, they tied up in the 30th minute. Uh, Hugo Duro, one-to-one, thanks to a Mariba uh, assist. After that, it was, uh you know, pretty tepid. Uh, three big chances for Real Batiste, one uh, for Valencia. Pretty evenly matched, 14 shots to 15 shots. And overall, a deadlock. A, a lot of it came down to just the superior a play from both sides to deny any of the attackers a goal uh you know shout out to uh Bellerin, shout out to uh, uh Mariba Gaia of of uh of Valencia so you know really really a good play from them and it went down to penalties and i remember one of the commentators when i was watching the penalty shootout said i just have a feeling that the reason why a team will miss is because a young player will eventually just shank a shot and send it over the crossbar and after uh three rounds of evenly matched penalties you know uh solaire uh, uh joaquin gordado made their their shots you know sent it uh, i think up and right and does it hurt that it came right after a mexican player made their penalty Yes. Does it hurt that an American therefore lost the final and it was, you know, some fault of his own? Yes. However, is this an indictment on Yunus Musa? Of course not. He's a teenager. He's, what, 18, 19 still. He'll have plenty of chances to win trophies like, I don't know, the Nations League and Gold Cup that, last time I checked, Mexico doesn't have. So... You know, congrats to Real Batista. It's a great, great, uh, you know, competition to win. The fact that it wasn't the, you know, one of Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Real Madrid winning is really, really cool to see. So, <sighs> Jack, any thoughts about this? I, I know you weren't able to to catch the game, but any, any thoughts on uh, Valencia losing?
1: I did catch one specific interesting okay. narrative. And I think it for for anyone who watches sports and loves a good narrative— I think you'll enjoy this one. I love so, narratives. Real Batiste, their captain is forty-year-old Joaquin. Right? That that is that mm-hmm. is their captain. He played for Real Batiste from two thousand to two thousand six. He was there when they won their last Copa del Rey. He came back to Real Batiste in twenty fifteen after playing, ironically, okay. for Valencia, yes. uh, Malaga, and Fiorentina. Uh, but he is he is. Retiring, I believe, at the end of this season because he's forty. You know, he he's he's played a long career.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah, last season. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's but
1: right. the interesting thing: he got married in two thousand five, and uh-huh. in two thousand five, the guest of honor at his wedding was the Copa del Rey trophy.
0: <laughs> no There's way. A, that
1: I I'm pr- I in, unless unless what I saw was a complete <laughs> lie, but. I I i am there. There it is. I, I found it from ESPNFC on Twitter. Uh, 17 years after the Copa del Rey trophy was guest of honor at his wedding. 40 year old Joaquin wins it again with rail Batiste. So that is a fitting cap to his career for sure. Uh, you know, for not many players, regardless of position and especially not players who play on wing as a wiener. They Mm -hmm. don't, they don't play for that long, but he, he has played for 22 years at the senior level. That's super impressive. Shout out. Really good for him. Crazy. Really good for him. Uh, great narrative for it. You know, that, that that's when it's the team that you would prefer not to win necessarily, uh, in a competition, if there's a good narrative behind it, it helps you get over it. I think. Yeah.
0: I mean, full disclosure. I did predict Real Batiste to win. I think I
1: said Valencia would win. Yes, you did.
0: Yes, you did. So, cringe, 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 cringe. Yeah. I I have some other narratives for this game. Uh, Number one is the fact that Manuel Pellegrini is uh, the head coach of Real Batiste. And, you know, not West Ham legend, actually. He signed a lot of players that ended up being kind of dead weight for this team. And uh, we had to pick up the pieces. But, you know, appreciate his time here. And good for him for finding more success even after uh, we let him go. So, really, really cool to see. Another one is just the fact that, again, both these teams do not spend to the same level as Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Atletico Madrid. So, to see the Real Batista players crying, you know, uh, being so emotional, being so exuberant with their celebrations after deservedly a great campaign in Copa del Rey, it warms your heart because you're so used to seeing these super teams or these these uh, mega clubs owned by you know uh, Saudi or UAE money win competitions. So when you see, I'm not saying Real Batista is a, a tiny club, but to see a club that is not known to be a powerhouse, to be one that buys their success, win, that's really really cool to see. So, I don't know, shout-out Claudio Bravo, I guess, and and everyone else on, on the team. Uh, big, big win for them. The last thing I want to say is that part of me is glad Valencia didn't win because, as some people might know, their uh, owner sucks, and I really don't want to see Lim get any success because he is a terrible, terrible uh, owner who wants to drive Valencia downwards. And maybe this will be a wake-up call for him to sell the club or do something else. Yeah, that's all I have to say about Real Batista. I I, I didn't even know I had that much to say, but you know, really good game. I'm sorry to Usama, uh, but you know, I I think he he won't even think about this when he scores the winning penalty to beat uh Mexico in the 2026 final. So,
1: right, right, of course, yeah, of course.
0: All right, let's move on to uh some more. Good news for some people, bad news for the other, and that is Eric Ten Hag moving to Manchester United. Everyone knows how big of a an, an ETH fan I am. Not Ethereum, but a, a, a Ten Hag. Uh, he played very well, or not played. He, he got the players to play very well for Ajax in the Eredivisie, and even though the just lost the Dutch Cup, he's gotten them a lot of uh, success in Europe and obviously domestic success, and so I'm really excited to see what he can do when he steps up to the plate at probably the scariest but most prestigious managerial uh, position in world football, which is Manchester United. Obviously, Ralph Ragnick is the interim uh, head coach. Not a lot of great success from them, but he is an interim. Uh, Ralph Ragnick will stay on as a consultant for this team. And I I, I want to say, I don't think it's, it's a effective immediately i think it's going to be like towards uh, the summer Uh, but ten hag will be taking over he's reportedly uh, getting a a sizable transfer budget going to be implementing uh, his assistant coaches as he sees fit so he will be taking control and jack the classic game that we play is transfer hot or not so jack eric ten Hag, eth to manchester united is this hot or not
1: i i think I think it's a pretty hot transfer you know he he's been a very solid manager for Ajax. I mean, heck he got them to this semifinals. semifinals yes yeah, of the Champions League. I wanted to make sure I, I had it correct uh but that that's a pretty big accomplishment uh so i I think that he's going to leave that club on pretty good terms uh Manchester United they need a coach with an identity like a, a solid identity ragnick was you know I I he could have been good if he was appointed as like less of an interim manager and in an actual solution uh-huh. but because all the players went in with the mindset of oh he's here for six months what why does it even matter what he's saying right like I uh, I think that I think that probably contributes to him not being as successful as he could be but with Ten Hog, they know that there's a full project going on here, mm-hmm. right? So I think that that'll lead to it being a pretty good transfer.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a guy that is known for his attacking football, is known for uh, wanting to have the ball to dominate and uh, at the very least, have high-quality players who can get, you know, that structure, those tactical choices down. I think that this will also be a hot transfer if and only if certain criteria get met by Manchester United as like a board and as a team. And that gets into probably the bigger question outside of is Ten Hag going to be a good coach, but is Manchester United going to be good next season? Jack, yes or no, are they going to be good?
1: Uh, maybe, maybe not. I'm going to say yes or no. I know. Hey, you I can't
0: break the rules.
1: I'm going to say no based on their standards. Okay. Because I think their standards are like, we should be challenging for second, maybe even challenging for a title, you know, like they did under Solshar, you know, they, they were in second. Yeah. Right? It was a pretty far distance from first, but mm. they were in second, uh, but here's the thing. Ralph Ragnick says, you know, we want a full revolution of this team. Maybe six, seven, or maybe ten players are going to come in this summer. That's that's a direct quote from him. He He wants as many as ten players to come this summer. And let me tell you, when you get so many new players in your team at once it doesn't always pan out right away, especially if you've got a new coach coming in at the same time for it. It's going to take a while for it to all gel together. Uh, And I think that's the big thing. That could hold them back to being up to the standard that United fans want them to be at.
0: Mm -hmm. I I agree, and I I definitely think that more so than under OGS or even under this season of Ragnick, it's going to be a rebuilding season. Uh, OGS was trying to build up into something that didn't work. Ralph Ragnick, I mean, you know, he was kind of picking up the pieces with like the Ronaldo transfer, the Sancho transfer. So it, it's not like it's going to be a, a clean break from uh, Solskjaer. So I, I definitely think that next season is going to be a rebuilding season just on that basis but it's going to have to be a rebuilding season i i think that the biggest indicator or the biggest leading uh cause of success for manchester united is going to be commitment to ten hag if you look in the past 10 years since uh sir alex ferguson uh was um, stepped down stepped down i should say you look at a lot of their managers and i think ten hag has to be the best. Uh I, I L- L- Van Hall was good. Uh Moyes was good. I, I
1: can't believe, I was going to say, I can't believe you're, you're putting down your, uh your, th- who you call the best manager of all time.
0: Uh, hey, I mean, he uses less ham. He was good with Everton. Uh, but, but a, lo- a lot of those uh, managers at the very least were solid enough to find success in other places. Right. A lot of them didn't get a lot of time. Some of them uh, got too much time, uh, but at the very least, Ten Hag, I think, is on another level. He has a 73.9 win percentage with Ajax, and that goes beyond just having good players. He's a very good manager. He's able to get the, a lot out of his players. And so, if he fails, and it's not like uh, the, a mutiny of players happened where, like, uh you know they just didn't like him, or he like got fired for something not football related. That will say a lot more about the board and Manchester United as an ownership group, and the Glazers as an ownership group, than it would be his managerial skills. Because just like with Tottenham and the fact that they have Conte, the fact that they're not playing well is not Antonio's fault, right? He's a world class uh, manager. He knows what he wants. He knows what needs to be done. It's. Tottenham's fault in that same vein Manchester United need to be able to get them those players that you mentioned get them the six to seven players be able to rebuild and step out of the way right Ed Woodward good business uh, man obviously you know help Manchester United become an even more of a household name in America and beyond however not exactly the best uh, chairman for Manchester United Ralph Ragnick, you know, and you know, hiring him and getting a lot more uh, backroom staff in, great, great step in the right direction in terms of you know, writing the ship in terms of getting director of football and really honing in on those football, uh, you know, football nerds, you know, getting them the resources and getting them into the door in Manchester United. That's great. That's good. But you need to be able to commit to Ten Hag. You need to be able to understand that this is going to be a multi-year process. And you need to be able to give him what he wants because you have the money for it. You're Manchester United. So you need to like step out of the way and let him sign players that aren't just going to be flashy names, aren't just going to be uh, stopgaps, but really be something that will fit his identity for success, you know?
1: Yeah, 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 I agree. You know, you've got one of the things that has let Chelsea succeed despite having a bunch of managerial turnover is that generally the the board backs the manager generally right like for the most part you know even lampard who wasn't our best manager ever by any stretch got backed so hard in, in uh the the lead up to the 2021 season right they spent 220 million pounds on players he wanted like he he got backed uh that that's the thing that's the thing if They if if Manchester United, like you said, back Ten Hog and they are willing to commit to his vision, Manchester United can do very well in the long term. But they also have to be careful and not like immediately pull away at any sign of things going wrong.
0: Yeah. Like be okay with not being first or second, right? Be okay with with having to play players of a smaller caliber than the likes of uh, Sancho, or actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I, yeah, not, not a lot of high caliber players, but you, you know what I mean, right? Like, be okay with signing players that might have uh, some money ball status to them where it's, you know, high, high potential value, but low current value. Like, be okay with that because that is the process that he wants to have. And you you really can't, you know, put your butt halfway into this you have to go fully in because you know to I, I tend to follow Ajax so i i know a little bit about how tag uh deals with players on a personal level uh but he's very hard with training like his attacking style it, it requires a lot out of players and so his training sessions are very intense there's a lot of there's a lot of running they train multiple times a day do you really think that the likes of Manchester United and their players, Harry Maguire, Nemanja Matic, Fred, McTominay, do you really think that they have like the mental fortitude to put up with that? And this is a guy that that likes to, you know, stick with the Ajax principles of having more fluid positions. So he, he, he needs to ask his players to do more than what they're just used to, you know, have the center back. Go up for and become a midfielder sometimes. Have the winger be retrained as a central midfielder, you know, whatever. You know, he rotates his players. He 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 shifts tactically all the time. Right now, I don't think that the likes of Ronaldo and all the players I mentioned before are going to take kindly to that. I mean, Ronaldo probably will be okay with hard training. It's kind of like what he loves. But a lot of like, I don't think that the mental the mental identity of Manchester United is conducive to that so Jack, you are completely right like they have to commit to getting six to seven new players or else it's it's not gonna work and even if they do that, it's gonna take time because you can't you know you can't rebuild a ship if you give them only three planks is a, a statement that I just came up with and kind of makes sense so I don't know
1: I mean you could make a ship but it would be pretty bad. Uh, I, I,
0: I, yeah it'll, it'll be like a mid table ship so yeah
1: yeah uh i mean exactly uh it i i feel like manchester united the current team it's going to have to be like the ship of theseus
0: you know yes. where yeah that's the, good that,
1: that's that's what this has to be like where you have to change this team so much that it's barely even recognizable where this old team was like mm-hmm. honestly i think the only players you realistically keep from their last starting lineup, like their most recent one against Arsenal, right? Uh, the players you keep from that, you keep Sancho and De Gea, probably. Sure. Maybe Ronaldo I, in there.
0: Uh, I, I'd honestly, I mean, who can say, really? Because, like, A, we don't know how much uh, backing he's going to get, and B, we don't necessarily know if he's going to change his style. But from what i can see. seeing maybe fred can work under his system uh but everyone else either gone or try to find somewhere to to have them play better with it's a different position or just like getting rid of them i don't know yeah like that's that's just how how i see it but i am thinking that it's going to all depend on the board. So hot or not, obviously it's it's not hot at all for Ajax who leave a pretty big hole uh, in the managerial uh, position, but reserving judgment till they have uh, the state of their their club sorted out come august come september. I won't give a consensus answer, but I will say just him coming here is a hot transfer, and I can definitely see them going back to the days of old where they can really challenge for something better. Yeah, and I'll leave it there. All right, Jack, let's close things out with uh, an early predictions to some cup finals that got set. DFB, Pokal, Freiburg beats. How uh, I many? I mean, uh, Union. No, no. They, they beat a uh, hamburger SV yep. uh, to make it to the final. Meanwhile, RB Leipzig uh, beat Union Berlin and then subsequently lost to Union Berlin in the league to make it to the DFB Pokal final. Those of you will remember that RB Leipzig was in the final last season. So, Jack, Freiburg versus RB Leipzig. Who do you have winning that come May?
1: I'm saying this is 1 1 in regular time and Freiburg take it on penalties. Ooh, I like it. I that, like it. That's hey, that's my that's my guess right there.
0: My boy Fleckens in there. So, yeah, who knows? I,
1: I mean, hey, as we found out from the from the stat padding, both of them have great goalkeepers. Yes. They do. Uh with 10 and 9 clean sheets respectively between them. So, I don't know, but honestly, I I think that both these teams are really good and I, I think that they're going to be evenly matched, like they have been in both games this season. Mm-hmm. Uh so I I think one one, Freiburg just barely winning on penalties.
0: All right, sick. I like it. I like it. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with RB Leipzig. Uh I, I think once they got really into the, the groove of things uh this season post uh Jesse Marsh, I, I think that they got uh, a lot better uh you, you look at some of their players like Nkuku and all of them and I, I really like what they have built uh in the past couple months and I think just based on talent I, I think RB Leipzig are going to take this uh that being said I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of Freiburg fans at the uh I believe it's called the Olympia Stadion that in is Berlin. correct yep yeah so I mean RB Leipzig first of all yeah I mean are there going to be a lot of RB Leipzig fans? I feel like outside of Leipzig, there's no no fans uh, of this team. But Freiburg, I feel like you know they'll have a good the backing. So maybe next is the uh, quite quite the spicy matchup. You know, it, it, it is uh, the it, the Italian rivalry, Coppa Italia, Inter Milan beating AC Milan and Juve, uh, who beat uh, Fiorentina to make it to the Coppa Italia final. Uh, which will be set, I believe, in uh, the, 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 the main stadium in The Stadio
1: Olimpico in Rome.
0: Okay, wow. A bunch of Olympic stadiums, I, sh- I should guess, yes, in, in Rome. Uh, so, Jack, early prediction of Copa Italia, who do you have winning this?
1: Uh, I have Inter winning it. Uh, and the reason why is, yes, the game is two and a half weeks out, but Juve have... A lot of key players that are out for the season. McKennie, out for the season. Locatelli, pretty much out for the season, or at least through this game, most likely. Chiesa's out for the season. Uh, Artur, as well. Quadrado's probably out for this game. That's a lot of big players. Uh, Inter are missing Vidal, who is out with a sprained ankle, and he could be back in the next week or two. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Inter are going to do this they're also they also beat juventus earlier uh this season like 5 games ago uh and they were like it was a well deserved win too uh i i think inter will do it again uh also like i just don't want juventus to win if i'm being honest Shh. they won it last season
0: yeah i and that's why well not that's not the reason why but i i think inter Milan will also uh win so i'll, I'll agree with you there A lot of talent. Juve has been very streaky, uh, even though they have bounced back pretty well and are into the top four. Uh, Going off of form, going off of how handedly Inter Milan was able to beat AC Milan, I'm going to go with them. Jack, we talked about the Champions League, UEFA Champions League, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think. And you said, I believe, Manchester City and Villarreal in the final. I said... Real Madrid and no, I said Manchester City and Liverpool. Yep. No, no, yep. I, I, no, no. I, 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 remember. I changed my answer to Real Madrid and Liverpool. Uh, but however, we did not talk about the Concacaf Champions League, uh, which it'll be between Seattle and Tigres. Pumas. Pumas, Pumas. Yes. First leg is going to be at Puma's home stadium in Mexico. So, Jack. Not just this game, but for the, the second Lego as well in uh, Seattle at uh, their home stadium. Who do you think is going to be lifting this trophy?
1: I'm going with Seattle this time around. Yes, because sir. It, Yes, sir. I know the danger of this. Picking an MLS team to win the CONCACAF Champions League final almost never seems to pan out. But, but here's the thing. Seattle... It's pretty clear from their league results that they don't care about the league until the CONCACAF Champions League is done. Yes. Uh, they really don't seem to care about that. It, so much so that I believe they're second last in the West. Yeah. Uh, so, you know what? They're resting up. They're resting up. I admire it. Yeah, yeah even uh, though
0: they started Rui Diaz, Don, Lodero, and Morris... No, 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 no! They're
1: resting. Don't worry, they're resting. Okay, they're resting. okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. resting. Uh,
1: they're they're totally resting. It's not that they were just bad and inconsistent in that game. No, uh, yeah. But honestly, Seattle Sounders have looked very good this season uh, in the Concacaf Champions League. Yes. So, yes. I I I want them to to win as well. Like I think every MLS fan wants to see them win. Hold on. Except for Portland I think fans.
0: I I I I th- I think there's a certain Canadian province and American uh, state yeah, that would probably not want anymore. to see them win, and also I'll be honest, I want them to win because uh, I, I went to one of their Champions League games uh, against Club Lyon and that was that was a great time, and so it'd be really cool to say yeah I I went to uh I went to one of the games where the Champions League winners uh, won their game. That's pretty cool. However, I know how bad Seattle fans are gonna get if they win. We're not gonna hear the end of it. There's they're gonna always say that they're gonna be the they're the the best team in MLS regardless of how they're actually doing just because they they're the only team to win this iteration of the Champions League. However, do you still want to see it? And the reason why I'm I'm gonna go with Seattle as well is the fact that they do not have a game in between the two legs. That is true. Scheduling wise, I, I think MLS threw them a bone. I think I think it's kind of MLS's policy with international games like this. Uh. But unlike Pumas, who have a game on Saturday uh, between the two Wednesday games, Seattle, Wednesday, off completely, rest up, get ready for the home leg, and it's back again. And just for that, I think that's a huge, huge amount of weight off their shoulder. Even if Pumas rests all their players on Saturday, it's 100% rest. So Seattle, I'm going with them, knock on wood no scoreline i i don't think i am just going to go with with seattle winning
1: and let me say uh, re- regarding seattle fans potentially becoming unbearable uh aj you you've seen avengers infinity
0: war right yes i have
1: it's a small price to pay for salvation
0: it is <laughs> That's absolutely just to quote
1: uh, thanos there i think i think yes. I, th- I, I i i think that uh you know it's worth it just yes. just so we can shove it in liga mx's face just just for that
0: and especially if morris and roldan can score some goals very very happy i'd be very very happy
1: no they're both scoring a hat trick haven't you heard yet uh that's yes. that they're 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 both going to do it so they make it to the 2022 world cup
0: yeah so yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man well uh i mean I, I like to see the likes of uh obed vargas play well uh i don't think he really has a, a huge amount of goal scoring ability in him but I would love to see him play well. The 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 16-year-old, I want to say? Yeah. So, yeah. That is it for this podcast. We gave some predictions. We went over some news. We talked about uh, some boring uh, things like Bayern Munich's winning the Bundesliga 10 times in a row. But also some exciting things like Ten Hag moving to United and Batiste winning their game and final. Uh, Jack, if people want to hear more about the news, the predictions, the hot takes, where can they hear us from?
1: Yeah, well you can find us on Twitter at Final Third Show. We post on there a lot. Especially you're gonna want to check out uh the reactions uh of <laughs> AJ that yeah, sure. as they constantly changed throughout uh the last five minutes of that game. Uh that that was pretty good. Again, you know, we're I, I, I'm I'm s i am i am I kind of want to check to see if I can get footage of of the of that somehow, you know. <laughs> I wish there was a way. But Check out our Twitter anyway, so you can see what we do have on there. Uh, there's plenty on there. Also, check out our website, one-stop shop for all things on our podcast. Uh, you don't want to miss it.
0: Yeah, finalthirdshow.com for that website. Also, leave a rating if you enjoy the show. We have a lot of cool things coming up in the summer as uh, the European season comes to an end, and we get to focus on MLS and some other cool things. Uh, so definitely you know, leave a review to keep up to date with that. Uh, Follow us if you haven't already. Put that notification bell on. Uh, Tell a friend about the show. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he would love to hear about how PSG and Bayern winning is bad for uh, the game. And yeah, we'll see you guys uh, this Thursday for uh, a tangentially related soccer uh, deep dive, but also same time, same place for next week's news and predictions episode. See
1: ya. Bye for now.